Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The reports are running backs coach Stump Mitchell and tight ends coach T.C. McCartney have been released of their duties. That's according to multiple reports. And Josina Anderson says the Browns have let go of offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt. But so far, she's the only one with that information. She was also on the morning show today. Welcome. I'm Jeff Phelps. My partner today, Dan Menigan. Baskin's out. Should be good for tomorrow. We hope. We like Baskin. Yes. We've uh, grown We've grown accustomed to it. Tom Withers is going to join Quite us fun. at 11 o'clock from the Associated Press. At noon, always love talking to Josh Booty, the former Browns quarterback who also played Major League Baseball. Josh is going to lend his expertise at noon. And Chris Rose, our buddy from the NFL Network, is going to join us at 1 o'clock. Josina was on the morning show, Dan. Yeah, so Josina's on the morning show when all of this news came down and kind of explained what was going on with all the different aspects. She started off by saying that she thought that the timing was kind of bizarre, and I feel the same exact way, Jeff. You look at the adversity that the team was able to overcome this year and still get that record, kind of the jubilation of being able to accomplish that feat despite the adversity, including not having your starting, you know, quarterback. The news just seems very out of line. It feels weird, doesn't it? For the, for the record, the Browns finished just slightly above middle of the pack in rushing yards per game, 118.6. But earlier in the week, if you were listening, I broke down some information that it clearly coincides, the drop in the run totals coincides with Dewan Jones going out for the season with injuries. And they dropped 60 yards a game. When when Dewan was playing his last game, and I don't mean it's that Dewan's the whole thing. What I mean is finally all of the injuries on the offensive line compiled to take their toll. Jack Conklin, Dewan Jones, Jedrick Wills. Finally, it, 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 it sunk in. They were averaging 137 yards per game and were seventh in the NFL in rushing when DeWand left. And after that, they dropped 60 yards a game. Is that Stump Mitchell's fault? I I would say no. I think no, too. So I kind of I wonder, Jeff, if this is just, okay, we're four years into this. We've had continuity for about four years. It's time to get some new voices in here. It's time to get some new blood. It's time to get some new philosophies. It's time to get some new ideas. 
because the only real person, and, and I'm not saying this like, oh, yeah, this is proof that this this coaching staff isn't that good. And the only real person who's walked out of the building of real prominence is Drew Petzik to go be the OC at uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Not Outside necessarily that, true. I mean, there have been a couple of guys in between, but that's kind of the big name that has walked out of that building. Would you have a, am I missing somebody? Um, your defensive coordinator left. Well, I'm okay. I'm talking on the offensive side. I, of the all ball. right, I, I'm just talking position. I'm talking offensive side of the ball through nine <laughs> through nine weeks of the season. The Browns were second in the NFL in rushing. Yeah, 148.6 yards per game. A part of me wonders if this is all right. It's time to get some new ideas in here it's time to get some new philosophies it's time to get some new ways of thinking it's time to get some new opinions I I wonder if maybe the Browns Kevin Stefanski Andrew Barry that whole group looked around and said all right it's kind of business as usual around here and everything is getting a little siloed and everything's getting a little stale all right well let me throw this at you if 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 you think that thought has some some Uh, credibility just a hypothesis all right by the way then where does the next finger let's let's go with Josina's thought about Alex Van Pelt being correct. And if he's telling people that he's out, he's probably out. If that's so, all so? if that's all accurate. I, I either that or it's the greatest prank ever pulled. That would mean in the last year, basically, in, in a year's time, Kevin Stefanski, who I think is a good good coach, and I think he's on his way to becoming an even better coach. But it would mean that Kevin has changed his defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. his special teams coach, mm-hmm. his offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. That's the big three. There's all only in- one place left to point after that. All in four years. No, all in one year. Yeah, you're right. All in one year. Joe yeah. Woods, technically too. Joe Woods and Mike Prefer. Yeah. I mean, at the end of last season. Oh, yeah, so yeah. within a year's time. He would have changed, if this Alex Van Pelt thought is true, he would have changed all three coordinators, defensive, special teams, and perhaps now offense. What does that, is is that telling? I, I'm not sure. The defensive side made sense. The defensive one was the one that I think we all looked at. I can't and, argue with that. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth because I don't remember totally. I know I held out on Joe Woods for a period of time and then went, all right, it's time. You got to get out of here. Like the, the enough is enough. And I think you were kind of that way too, that you held on hoping if I'm putting words in your mouth, please correct no, me. No, you're correct on that. And then you hit a threshold where you're like, all right, it's time. Like you, you, bud, what you're doing here isn't working. So the, the Mike pre for one is interesting. I, maybe it's just because they saw Bubba Ventura and went, okay, that's an upgrade. That's somebody who can make this better than what we have with Mike pre for. Okay. I could get behind that if you think you can upgrade that position. Sure. This is the first one that I've looked at and been like, that's kind of funky. Something funky's going on here. Because this team like reinvented itself on the fly. And you'd think the offensive coaching staff would all be taking victory laps with the fact that it reinvented itself on the fly. You know, It went from a ton of shotgun, a lot of spread offense, into under center, heavy play action, just completely evolving back. And you'd think that these guys would all be doing their victory lap, and in reality, they're not. Now, is that possibly because you've got Watson coming in next year and you didn't like what you saw out of the Watson offense? That it's well, time to or, eject that one? Maybe you're looking for someone who's 
offensive philosophy is more in tune with the way Deshaun Watson plays. Right. And that's I, a possibility. I think that's a possibility that maybe they looked at what they put forth last year in the five and change games that he played and said, we can't win with this. This offense is too clunky. This offense doesn't complete passes. This offense completely out of sync. The quarterback doesn't fit with what you want to do. And maybe it's time to get somebody in here who can help to fit that. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Again, I'm just spitballing because I woke up this morning to this news and went, well, we're, we're huh? not. Yeah, we're, we're trying to figure this out a little bit. It's it's a little stunning. Through, through the games before Joe Flacco took over, so the Denver game, the Browns were tied for third in the NFL in rushing. Tied for third at 139 and a half yards per game. And then Flacco took over at quarterback, and the Browns finished 12th in rushing at 118 yards per game. So their average dropped 20 yards per game from the time that they were playing Deshaun and PJ and DTR once Flacco came in and started throwing the ball like crazy, which I that's not about Joe Flacco. No. That's about the Browns having to throw the ball, probably because their offensive line was not built any longer to be a dominant run-blocking team. This is what they had to do to win yeah. football games. I would think so. 216-474-0092 is the number to join us. Love your thoughts on this, and, and we're still trying to figure it out, out exactly. Yeah. Roman in Canton. Roman. What's up, bud? What's up, guys? How are we? We're well. I'm, good, I'm curious. Good. What's going on? I'm not sure. And the only thing that I can kind of think of is that we might be trying to sweeten the pot to keep Schwartz on, you know, in brown and orange. I think that he really changed the defense this year for the better, and obviously there's a lot of head coach opportunities out there. So we might be trying to sweeten it up to keep him in Cleveland. Roman, um, I have not heard Jim's name mentioned in any of the head coaches. Just going to say gigs. that. Uh, and it's Wednesday, so I'm happy that that's the case. But that doesn't mean that nobody's uh, you know, eventually going to reach out, especially with what they saw from this year. So, again, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, well, and I'm just as confused as you guys as well. So, so. <laughs> so here's the Jim Schwartz thing, and this is what's kind of interesting with Jim Schwartz, and I'm not just saying this because of how the season ended, Roman. Mm-hmm. The big thing that everybody came out of this season saying with Jim Schwartz and the big thing out of this game that Miles Garrett said was, no, we're going to do what brought us here. And that's always been the Jim Schwartz philosophy. There's not a whole lot of adjustments. There's not a whole lot of evolution. There's not a whole lot of that stuff. It's pin your ears back and go. We're going to play a whole bunch of man. We're going to have a rotation of guys. We're going to play this wide nine. We'll play cover two. We'll play inverted cover two. We'll play a smidge of cover one. But boy, oh boy, we're playing man. And there's not a whole lot of evolution that takes place with that. And that's mm-hmm. always been kind of a turnoff for a lot of people and a lot of places is the idea that Jim Schwartz's defense is, frankly, get after it. And the evolution to get after it is, I don't know, play better and get after it. So I wonder if a lot of teams are looking at that and going, maybe this isn't the guy that we want as our head coach. And again, right, right. I like Jim Schwartz. I think he did a phenomenal job. So just, you know, just throwing that out there. That could make sense, too. And I, I can understand that. Um, but at the same time, you know, we didn't lose a lot of games because of our defense. You know, we lost, we got it. Things got out of hand on Sun or on uh, Saturday because those two pick sixes in a matter of what, three minutes really just threw the game out of, uh, you know, out of reach. And I, I unfortunately, I had to stop watching after that um, because I, I knew it was going to happen. But also, you know, 
maybe there, maybe I don't know about Bill Callahan's situation, but he's the guy that you got to keep on offense um, to to keep the culture going. Agreed. You know where it is. So maybe that's a that's a possibility. What they're doing too. Um, I don't know. At the end of the year, at the end of the year, which it is right now, unfortunately. I think that this team kind of outperformed what everybody thought they were going to do, especially when the injuries started to pile up. Um, this might be an opportunity to, you know, kind of shake things up and hopefully trend towards the right direction. Yeah. All right, Roman. Thank no, you. Roman. I and I appreciate. It. Look, we're all listen, we're all spitballing here. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of a huh type of day. You know, you well, you make, and, and with more to come, perhaps. Right. Tom Withers from the Associated Press expected to join us at eleven o'clock. Uh, Tom will have some thoughts on this as well. So far, at least according to reports, nothing official from the Browns. Running back Mitchell, tight ends coach T.C. McCartney, uh, no longer employed by the Cleveland Browns. And Josina Anderson reporting, same with offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt. We'll see. And so you're going to want to follow this all day long. You can do it right here on 92.3 The Fan. Our buddy from the Associated Press, Tom Withers, is going to join us at 11 o'clock. And he can help us because right now there's some things going on in Berea that might make you think a little bit. Stump Mitchell, according to reports, running backs coach, tight ends coach T.C. McCartney, uh, let go by the Browns today or yesterday or whenever. The news has come out now. And Josina is saying that offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt has also been let go. However, she's the only one reporting that, mm-hmm. and nothing official on from the Browns on any of this stuff. I'm Jeff Phelps. Menigan's in for Baskin today. 216-474-0092 is the number to join us. The, the interesting thing to me here, Dan, is this. You just let and, – and before I say this, we all watched the Browns' offense this year. Right. It ran the ball really well early on. And Deshaun Watson was 4-1 and one in the games where he was the starter and continued. Obviously, the Colts game, he was out early. So so he went 4-1. and one. He had some really good-looking moments. They won with P.J. Walker. Dorian Thompson-Robinson as a rookie came in, had some moments. Flacco comes in, saves the day. They go 4-1 and one with Joe as the starting quarterback in the regular season. It's... If, if you just look at all that, you would think, boy, that offensive staff did one hell of a job. Yeah, you would. And that's that's the weird thing here. But the running game fell off the face of the earth, but so did the health of the offensive line. And you didn't have Nick Chubb. So that's that's interesting. And then if you won with four different starting quarterbacks – I would think you'd give your offensive coordinator a raise. Instead, he perhaps is out. So, again, we're all kind of looking around right now just trying to find any trace of what could lead to this, why could lead to this, and what makes the most sense. And what makes the most sense to me is the fact that they want to bring somebody in who is more versed in a spread offense concept where you your quarterback is more mobile, more of an RPO game, more of a read option game, more of those things than what was in that building. People who understand that offense and are trained under that offense better than what was previously here. Because 
it, it, and, and, look, and and that actually makes some sense, right? It, it let's be fair, that makes some sense. It it's about fit mm-hmm. and skill set more than it is about competence to do your job. Because I think I think it's pretty fair to say that Stump Mitchell competent, yeah, T.C. McCartney competent, Alex Van Pelt competent. Seems like it. Yeah. So. There's there's a metric that's out there that's getting more and more popular to be used in the analyst community. It's called expected points added. Okay, EPA, not the Environmental Protection Agency. Expected points added. Okay, and what it is is it's a metric of every single play or every single set of plays that you use. Are you adding points when you use this? That's that's the general thought process of using this. You can do it for rush. You can use it for defense. You can do that stuff. You can look up all the the way it's calculated and all that stuff if you want. But it's basically a, a – when you use it by pass, it's how healthy is your passing game? Are you moving the ball forward? Is it moving the ball forward in an explosive manner? Is it giving you points, right, which is the goal of all of this? Mm-hmm. EPA, the Browns' passing offense, was 27th, which basically screams your offense is broken. Your passing offense is broken. And that's even after Flacco came in and threw it like crazy. Correct. Now, remember, you had P.J. Walker – and a rookie quarterback in DTR passing the ball for a good chunk of the season. Correct. So that that you have to factor that in. And you do. And that was the decision that was made from the coaching staff and the front office to have those guys in there as the solution and the offense that came with it. Basically, if you go by EPA, you had a broken passing offense. And if we all go back and watch these games, even with Joe Flacco hitting bombs in them, it still was bombs and it was bombs away but there were still aspects of it that were coming up short there was still a lack of consistency that was really in there at moving the ball I I find it hard to I find it hard to point fingers at the offensive staff when they dealt with so much stuff correct that's the weird thing I as I said I'm just trying to no, we're all just we're, we're all just kind of what is here and throw things at right. the wall. We're kicking some ideas around and here. see what sticks, knowing that the real answer is about four of the things that we're going to throw at the wall. If it matters, Stump Mitchell was inherited by Kevin Stefanski, but you don't inherit guys; you you choose to keep them. He was brought in by Freddie Kitchens uh, to be the running backs coach. So Stump has been with the Browns for five years. Kevin is in Cuyahoga Falls, birthplace of uh, yours truly. Hello, Kevin. What's happening, Kevin? Gentlemen, how are we doing today? We're, we're just, uh, we're, I wouldn't say we're puzzled. We're just trying to figure some things out. Yeah, I've uh, been listening to our fellow members of Northeast Ohio the last couple of days and now this, this coaching news. And listen, I am just as disappointed with the performance on Saturday as anybody else is. And, you know, it was a crushing loss to be there and watch our team put a pile of how we say poo on the field and really get embarrassed but man I'm just telling you it seems like everybody is this is a case of massive overreaction to me I mean I I agree with some of the points you guys were making I mean and I think Andy said it I don't remember Monday or Tuesday we are the only team in the NFL that made the playoffs that lost their starting quarterback their star running back and we lost what three offensive linemen right Jones Hurst and Wills all gone and yet this coaching staff found a way, and, and I'm not even mentioning the defensive guys we, we've lost also, and yet this coaching staff found a way to plug and play and get us into the playoffs. And frankly, 
I think it's a remarkable job that they did. And whatever criticism I might have had of Stefanski preseason, it's gone in my mind now. I mean, I'm with you guys. This entire coaching staff should be taking a victory lap and say, look at how much adversity this team suffered in major positions. And yet they were able to get into the playoffs, which I think is an amazing accomplishment. So the only thing that makes sense is I'm going to maybe say has one, but I don't know. I'm not in Berea. Someone high up is having some major overreaction because if you look at the body of work this team put out for the entire season, it was extremely impressive from a coaching perspective. And I think they should be applauded, not kicked out the door, in my opinion. Kevin, thank you very much. Yeah, so that's been kicked around, Kevin, is like, okay, is this a, is this a scapegoat for the season? And it's like, does this season need a scapegoat? Like, I feel like the scapegoat you, you, is the you, injury bug. You won 11 games. Yeah. Dealing with all the injuries. I, I, frankly, I don't feel like I need a scapegoat. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I don't, you know, we, we understand but, like, you know, I, I went and saw Napoleon in theater and it, by the way, don't rush, but basically, <laughs> you know how that worked back in the day when it came to history, which was, you know, it, it, the, the masses were happy when ahead would roll, you know, they, they wanted that finality to it. They wanted Bloodlust. somebody to pay for everything that took place in a given season in a given you know regime I should say they wanted some kind of the bloodlust exactly like you said I don't think we needed it this year I don't think anybody was screaming I mean a couple of people but like Kevin Stefanski could come over to their house mow their lawn replant the dead spots in their lawn shovel their driveway clean their gutters and fix the cracks in the driveway along the way and people would still want his butt fired like there were still always going to be people that no matter what this guy did are going to can him because they decided to stick their feet in that water and were never going to leave it the only thing I can think here is that they think that they have reached as far as they're going to go with the way things are being run on offense right now and that it needs to be tweaked to fit Deshaun Watson a little more a little more of a custom fit for Deshaun i can see that okay, i can I, see that too I, I can see that and perhaps alex van pelt is not the right fit for Deshaun Watson's skill set and the type of offense that might best suit Deshaun Watson. And, and there are times we saw Deshaun play very, very well here, but there were few and far between. Let's, let's be fair about that. He had some real nice moments, and you saw glimpses of what it is that they think Deshaun can be, but it wasn't there all the time. Maybe they think, hey, we've topped out here. We've got to tweak some things moving forward. That's okay. I would think the tweak would include a different play caller next year, which I find interesting because I like the play caller. Right. It was I, honestly, say. I think I think Kevin does a really nice job. They ran a play the other day. It was on when on Kareem Hunt's touchdown run. I don't know if you noticed it. They brought in Nick Harris to be a fullback in an eye, and they had Kareem behind him. And all right, so what do you think? He's going to follow. You know, Kareem's going to follow. Mm-hmm. Nick Harris, right? Right. Nick broke off left. Joel Batonio pulled from I left guard. I saw this play. And went right behind Wyatt Teller, and Kareem went right behind Joel Batonio as the defense fades toward Nick Harris going left. I thought, God, what a nice play design. Absolutely. That, it was just a real, just a one little play for a little bit of yardage, but it got him a touchdown. And it was just sweet. And this. This offense comes up with plays like that all the time, Dan. And and that's why 
that's why I think, really, you're okay. All right, you're going to tweak with this. Okay, so, let's let's see what you do. The fact that Stefanski is as respected as he is as a play designer and a play caller, I think leads me to believe. I wonder how much of the design is is Kevin and how much is Alex Van Pelt. However, I, I do wonder that. Well, when they were in Minnesota, Kevin Stefanski got a boatload of the credit. You know, and, and he had Gary Kubiak sitting behind him, so it was really yeah. easy for everybody to point and go, oh, yeah, that guy over there who's got Super Bowl-winning offenses and He's doing that. is the biggest influence on the modern NFL offense that we have going right now. Yeah, it's him. Like, it, it would have been really easy for people to have pointed at Gary Kubiak sitting in the booth and saying, oh, yeah, he's doing all of it, and that guy down there is, is a stooge. So it would have been really easy, and that wasn't the case. Everybody went, no. This is the guy that's designing it. He brought Gary Kubiak in because he wanted to bounce stuff off him to help him build the screen game that was taking place in Minnesota and the run game and all of that stuff. But in reality, this was Kevin Stefanski's brainchild. So I wonder if whoever they bring in to be a quote-unquote offensive coordinator or to be whoever, I don't think it's if as simple. If, in fact, they make a move. I don't think it's as simple as you saying, okay, the next person who comes in might be the one calling plays. Why would Kevin Stefanski give that up when it's been successful? Yeah, that's Or at weird. least some level well, of success. And why would you move on if Alex Van Pelt is indeed out when this has had some level of success? Right. Tom Withers oh, covers Cleveland sports for the Associated Press. He's all over the Browns. He's joining us next right here on Basket and Phelps with Menigan in for Andy. Browns are making some moves on the offensive staff, according to reports. Nothing confirmed by the Browns yet, but – According to multiple reports, including from our buddy Tom Withers, who's going to join us shortly from the Associated Press, Stump Mitchell, running backs coach, no longer with the Browns. T.C. McCartney, tight ends coach, no longer with the Browns. And according to Josina Anderson, and Josina Anderson only at this point, offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt, no longer with the Browns. However... Tom and others say that Alex Van Pelt, at least as of now, is still under contract to the Browns. But evaluations are still going on. What's all that mean? That's a really good question. That's, I, that's interesting. It, that's This whole thing is just... Fast. This this whole thing is interesting, and you can't because you, you understand some of the thinking. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I get the thinking that's behind it. I can make sense of it. The two things that are funky about it. One of them is the timing. The fact that they took, frankly, as long as they did. Well, but they just played on Saturday. This is only Wednesday. Right, but we've seen how some of this stuff has moved a little swifter. Right. Like like if if Mike McCarthy were to get canned at this point, you'd probably be shocked, right? No, sometimes they take a little while to, okay. s- to sit back and make some decisions. Let's go to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. There's a lot of stuff going on. We really thank Tom Withers from the Associated Press for jumping on with us. Hello, Tom. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, man. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing good, well, Tom. Man. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. The latest on what you know about this situation with the Browns. <laughs> okay. What I know at this point is that Stump Mitchell has been fired that T.C. McCartney has been let go. Um, He was not under contract coming back. And that the Alex Van Pelt situation remains fluid. Um, I know there are reports, or at least Josina Anderson has reported, that he has been let go, but I've been 
I've gotten a lot of pushback on that and have been told that that is not factually accurate. So that's not to, that's not to say that that couldn't happen by the end of the day or some kind of a parting, um, you know, whether it's a resignation or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, he's, he's still under contract as far as I know. And um, that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to explore some other opportunities. It's potential that he wants to maybe, you know, get permission to talk to some other teams. Very fluid situation, but that's what I know up to this point. I've reached out to uh, some other people around the league, some players to try to get some clarity on the Van Pelt situation, but that seems to be one that we're going to have to monitor throughout the course of today. Tom, my thought would be this, and Dan and I have been kicking this around. You just won 11 games with four starting quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> the, off, the offensive coordinator – Whoever well, it is, in whatever way they they're divvying up the duties between Kevin and Alex, it it worked pretty well. So with that in mind, the only thing we can think of is you're looking for an approach. If in fact anything changes with Alex Van Pelt, that might be more tailored to Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's a, that's a, a very good assumption, I think, by you guys. Um, you know, listen. We just spent we just spent an entire season watching this team plug holes, whether it was that quarterback or right offensive tackle, left offensive tackle, running back. They lose Nick Chubb in week two. <clears throat> Excuse me, they lose Jack Conklin in week one. Um, you know, the Elijah Moore situation never really got going. Deshaun goes out in November. They bring in thirty eight, now thirty nine year old Joe Flacco. The offense finally looks like itself. So there were yeah, there have been moving parts. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised that we're beginning the off season with you know, now new holes in the offense only on the staff. So, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting situation, and I don't think people should overreact to this news either, guys. I mean, changes take place on coaching staffs all the time, yeah. whether it's a team that wins 13 games or wins three. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting last week that, um, you know, when we asked, I think it was Jake Trotter that asked um, Alex Van Pelt specifically about Kevin and working on his staff. And, he was effusive in his praise about what Kevin did this year and the adjustments that he made and the culture that he's built. So I don't think this is a case necessarily of Alex Van Pelt not being happy here. It's just that he may be looking for another opportunity somewhere else to, to spread his wings a little bit. I don't know if he has, um, you know, goals to become an NFL head coach or not, but I'm sure he would like to call plays. I know there is a quote unquote collaboration here within the staff. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I sat in on offensive coaches meetings this year and, and, and know exactly how that dynamic works between the two men. I know they do. Like I said, I know they get along. They seem to be happy, but again, I would have, I would tell everybody to kind of, you know, relax a little bit to, to think that there's some kind of, you know, big conspiracy or anything, um, you know, anything strange afoot. So then, Tom, and, and again, Tom Withers, Josie Press, joining us on the North Upstate Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. And, I mean, we're all we're all speculating at this point because that's all frankly, we can do. Yeah. That's all we can do. We're just trying yeah. to make sense of this. So if they go out and decide, and, and let's say if they move on from Alex Van Pelt and if this is to evolve that way, and all of this is if and speculations and all that kind of stuff, do you see them going, like, to the college ranks to get somebody? Uh-huh. You know, that's a good, interesting question, Dan. And, you know, you can see why they may want to think that way only because the quarterback that's under contract here now is, you know, kind of fits that profile a little bit more, right? He's not your traditional, um, you know, pocket passer. But I think what's interesting too, Dan, is that 
we just saw this offense operate better with a traditional pocket passing quarterback. And Kevin Stefanski seemed to be calling plays, you know, better than ever with a traditional type of thrower uh, in the pocket. So, you know, I don't know what they, they want to do with the offense. I mean, you know, I think the, the bigger issue to me, guys, is that, you know, how is Deshaun Watson's shoulder? You know, I, you know, everybody wants to speculate about what's going on with the staff. Let's talk about the franchise quarterback here for a second, who's coming off of a, you know, a, a fairly significant injury and a fairly significant surgery and has played 12 games since 2020. So, you know, to me, that's, that's the bigger question here. And then in terms of in this year, in this year of the backup quarterback where the Browns were basically the poster boys for having to, you know, to fill that hole, how does this team view backup quarterbacks going forward? You know, is, is Flacco a legitimate number two coming back here? Again, all speculation because we don't know Deshaun Watson's status. We've, we've been told that the rehab is going well. We've been told that he's going to be on time to get into camp, but we don't know that yet. I mean, it's still, what is it, January 16th, 17th here? So, um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of questions to be answered going forward. And um, obviously, you know, a lot of people didn't expect this this morning, but quite frankly, I, I kind of did. Tom Withers joining us from the Associated Press. Tom, your Deshaun Watson thought is is right on about about the injury, but next year will be his third year here. And we know he didn't play but six games the first year and now this year with the injuries. I would think, you know, and just, just my gut watching football, I would think he has next year. And if by the end of next year he hasn't established himself as the starting quarterback, this is a league where you're looking for that quarterback all the time. <laughs> I, I would think it has yeah. to happen next year or the Browns are going to be looking for a quarterback. It's, you know, it's crazy to think that at this point, Jeff, but I think you have to. And I think you, listen, I think you have to look at the glass half full and be optimistic about, you know, what you saw, you know, the last time that Deshaun Watson was on the field, which was the best that we've seen him, right? I mean, that second half in Baltimore was absolutely sensational. And as we watched it, we had no idea that he had a fractured shoulder and we knew he had an ankle sprain. We didn't know the severity of it. So, um, you know, you have to be encouraged by, by what you saw. You have to be encouraged that there were moments where it looked like everything was clicking. Um, again, you know, everything was clicking with, you know, Nick Chubb recovering from, from knee surgery. I still think that this team would have looked entirely differently this year had that injury not happened. I think they were willing to maybe run him, you know, upwards of 300 times because they felt like they finally had the quarterback in place where they could really get this run game going. And it just didn't happen. So, again, credit to Stefanski and his staff for having to, you know, for adjusting, you know, on the fly to that and then having to adjust for the better part of a month with Deshaun being in the lineup, out of the lineup. Is he, you know, how bad is the shoulder? Then he, and then, then they lose him completely. They bring Joe Flacco in off the street and have this marvelous run that, you know, I hope people in the future look back on this and remember what an unbelievable you know, journey this season has been. So, yeah, so many unanswered questions, uh, Jeff. But, um, again, I, you know, I think by the end of next year, yeah, you better as a franchise have a better, a, a better idea of what Deshaun Watson means going forward. So, Tom, the idea of scapegoat is being thrown about, too, when it comes to, <laughs> you know, somebody needing to take the fall, somebody needing, you know, a, the, the classic French Revolution, a head must roll, you know, that kind of thing that's going on here. Do you see it that way? Because I don't think many people were screaming like that. Not, not at no, 11 and I don't, 6. I, 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, 11 and six, why would there need to be a scapegoat? I mean, I, you, my God, you know, what this team accomplished here this year is nothing short of remarkable. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I know this thing is very real when you get blown out by 31 points, you know, in the playoffs. And, you know, there's all kinds of variables in that game that led to that. And, oh, by the way, isn't C.J. Stroud something? So, um, and I do think people got a little bit caught up in, you know, how well the Browns had played there on December 24th, not, not, not taking into account what that C.J. Stroud <laughs> did not play in that game, and neither did Will Anderson Jr. and a couple of other of those Texan defenders. And I think people vastly underrated that team going into that game. All that being said, I think the idea of a scapegoat is just ridiculous, Dan, to your point. I, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, for them to go 11-6, and six, given what they had to deal with this year, is just, uh, again, uh, you know, if Kevin Stefanski's not coach of the year, he's definitely going to be the runner-up. I agree. All right, Tom, thank you. Um, <laughs> hey, there's a, there's a big basketball game tonight, yeah, by the I way. Yeah, I know. It's, it's the Cavs with five straight wins, and they've won 10 of 13, and the Bucks and everything else. Yeah, and, lot go, lot going on as always. Trade deadline coming up in the NBA. Last thing real, do they yeah. need to make a tweak here and there? You know, I think they'll they'll – Consider making a tweak. I think, you know, with that, the you've got to look at the rotation and see what you're getting at the back end of the rotation. I think, unfortunately for them, Jeff, is that, and you've got to hope that when, you know, Mobley and Garland come back and hopefully sooner than later, this team finally gets to look at what it's supposed to look like. And that hasn't happened yet. And, and to consider that they've gone 10 and 3, and I will say that the, the schedule has been very favorable, particularly over the last five games. All that said, you know, they, the front office needs to take a look at okay, here's the offseason moves we made. Um, you know, what, what can this team do healthy going forward through this year? But, of course, they will look at potential moves. I mean, that's what GMs do on a daily basis. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time today. Thank you, too. Anytime, fellas. Have a good one. Tom too, Withers, man. Associated Press, joining us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Just recently, Jake Trotter from ESPN saying that he's been told by Alex Van Pelt that he is no longer the offensive coordinator. I'm Jeff Phelps. Menegan's in for Andy Baskin today. So let's let's recap. If the two reports out there are accurate, and that that and from Josina Anderson and Jake Trotter, CBS and ESPN, then Alex Van Pelt is no longer the offensive coordinator of the Browns. Tom Weathers' point, I think, is one that we're going to talk about. I think it could be a huge part of this. Stump Mitchell, no longer the running back coach. T.C. McCartney, no longer the tight end coach. That means three key assistants on the offensive side of the ball of an 11-6 team that won games with four different starting quarterbacks have been replaced or are going to be replaced. Interesting. If if you look at it, Mm -hmm. and it depends on which lens you want to look at it through, can either sit there and look at it and go, well, they had five different quarterbacks and they made it work and they they evolved when they had to. And as, as Tom Withers said too, Kevin Stavansky as a play caller was outstanding with Joe Flacco at the helm. He had guys open. They were running the, the under center bootleg stuff with a pocket pass or all of that. You can you could say all of those different things and you can really make a case that it should have been status quo. But you can also look at this and go, okay, when Deshaun Watson was in there, it was clunky. That's a good word to describe it because I wouldn't say it was bad. No, it, it was just it, it just didn't yeah, it didn't look the way you wanted it to look. It at was, least as frequently as it needed to with Deshaun Watson, your franchise quarterback. It was clunky and disjointed. Like it just 
felt like I wanted to see this this beautiful harmony of the spread offense Did you and know? the in the Kubiak under center ah. Shanahan like I thought if you could build this offense you would build the Death Star like this would be this could take it all down like this could be unbelievable what they could put together and it never came together now some of that is of course a quarterback getting hurt and some of that is offensive linemen going down and Nick Chubb going down all of these different we could point to a lot of different things but it always felt clunky and even when Deshaun Watson caught fire in that Ravens game in the second half it still was clunky and it still was a lot of screen passes and it was a lot of Things that clicked into place at the right time. And I need to go back and watch that game because I'm kind of doing this off the top of my head and it's kind of fuzzy. But I wonder if they're looking at that and going, okay, how do we build the Death Star that we wanted to build from the very beginning? And what caused us to not be able to mesh these two things together? It just seems to me that in this situation, and you had some success. You went 11-6. and When Flacco came in, it was really pretty good. But maybe they think they've they've topped out as to how far this group can take them. And and you don't know what's going on in meetings. You don't know how personalities clash. You know, Stump Mitchell was here. Kevin Stefanski kept him. Or maybe over time that that didn't work for them. Uh, maybe it's a personal thing. Maybe it's productivity. Who knows? Uh, tight end situation. Okay, Najoku was drafted because you thought he was a really good talent. Does he get more credit than the tight end coach? Who knows? You're going to pass it out credit. You'll get another tight ends coach. You'll get another running backs coach. The offensive coordinator is a, a bigger situation if that if all the reports are indeed true. And it makes me think this. If you're going to go get a big-time offensive coordinator to help you make it work even better, more frequently, whatever, lift Deshaun Watson's play. And I think Kevin's done a nice job calling plays. You might need to have a guy who's going to call the plays because you might not get who you want. I mean, think think about the sales pitch. Hey, you're going to come in and work with Deshaun Watson and you're going to scheme all week long. And then on game day, you're going to talk to Deshaun because I'm calling the plays. All right, let's make some people grumpy. That's not as appealing as, as most opportunities that might be out there. I don't think you're going to get a big time coordinator coming in here. Well, not if you're not if he's not calling plays. No. And that's the number one reason. And by the way, I don't like Kevin Stefanski give up play calling. <laughs> no way. Are you serious? He's humming. This offense hummed. Yeah, it was clunky and disjointed when Watson was in there. This thing is hummed. And frankly, a lot of it, if you go back and watch the tape, is not Kevin Stefanski's fault. Like guys were still running wide open. Like you can find different spots. Where reads were missed, and look, you do it with every quarterback in the league. You do it with Patrick Mahomes. You do it with Josh Allen. You can do it with whomever you want to pick in the league. Like, there will always be receivers wide open that quarterbacks miss. That's how the game is played. But, like, I think they're going to go get – I think they're going to go to the college ranks, and I think they're going to get somebody in the college ranks who's going to be under it who is okay with building a game plan – or they're going to get somebody who has been in the league for a long period of time and is like, I don't want to call plays. I want to design stuff. I want or to watch maybe it work. As, maybe as a quarterback coach who's looking for the promotion. Right. Who's like, this could be the step in the right direction where if I can get Deshaun Watson humming, maybe I'm the next one who gets picked up. Jim's I, in Strongsville. 
Jim. I don't think you're going to get the Arthur Smith. I don't think you're going to get the um, Tennessee offensive coordinator whose name I'm totally blanking on. I don't think you're going to get those guys. Thank you. Who was, was, by the way, Deshaun's offensive coordinator in Houston after Bill O'Brien gave that up. And Bill O'Brien's available. Sorry, Jim. Go ahead, Jim. No, that's okay. They don't want that kind of guy. That's that's this whole move. That's not even what it's about. Look, once you decided you were going to go with Deshaun Watson, there was no turning back. They gave this group a chance. I think what they what they're looking for now is an infusion of creativity, an infusion of a mindset that maybe they don't have. They're looking for something different. They're looking for some creativity. They're looking for somebody who's used to working with this type of quarterback. I mean, Jeff, you said it best. This offense looked a lot better when you had a pocket passer in there. Well, guess what? You made the decision on Deshaun Watson. You don't have a pocket passer. Correct. So, no, they're doing everything that they can right now to create a, a situation. And, I'm, I mean, look, they gave, it a, they gave it a year. They've tried this two years in a row now to, like, revamp the offense, and I think they just haven't been able to do it. I think they're just looking for new people. I think you're going to see younger people with fresh ideas, and I'm not saying that as some old fogey, like, oh, we need fresh ideas, but – I think they're looking at it like, hey, we need somebody that has a totally different perspective than we do. And I think the problem that they had in the past and why, why these guys are out of there is that they all pretty much shared the same perspective on how to run an offense, what worked and what didn't work. And I think they're looking, they're looking for something different and new. And I think it's wonderful that they're open-minded enough to realize that that's something that they need. See, and Jim, that's why I think they're going to college for this guy. Like, I – I think you're right. I think it's going to be like the OC from Kansas or something along those lines. Like they're going to get some offense that hums in college. It's a spread offense, and they're going to bring that philosophy in. Because, guys, there's no turning back now. I mean, look, and Jeff, I know you had said earlier about like, well, you give Deshaun. Here's the problem. Like, in order to keep the team competitive for next year, you're going to probably have to extend it. You're going to have to push Deshaun's money back. And it's not like once you quit on him, you're going to have a dead zone of a year where you're going to be eating like $100 million on the salary cap and dead money if it doesn't work out. So, I mean, you this pretty much needs to work out for them or you head down the worst possible path that you can imagine. And, Jim, let me throw this one at you. Last year you changed Joe Woods. You change out Mike Prefer for Bubba Ventrone, a special teams coach. If you change out offensive coordinator this year, that means you've, you've cleaned out the top three coaches on your coaching staff. After that, there's only one place to look. That's the head coach. But You're right. did it work well enough at 11-6 and six that the head coach has completely uh, earned the trust? I think he's earned a contract extension. If he gets that and he's earned the trust of ownership and everything else, then he gets to tweak the staff a little bit and move forward. Maybe, maybe that's a long-term play. Guys, this reminds me of what John Harbaugh has done year after year with Lamar Jackson or whoever happened to be his quarterback. He brought different guys in to to – finalize and put the finishing touches on the way this offense would operate the best under uh, under uh, he, Lamar Jackson. And, and he went to college. Do. And he yeah. went to college to go get it, Jim. Do. That's a hell of a point. But it was a college guy who had some pro experience, obviously, right. Todd Munkin being here. I got to do some digging. Jim, interesting. Out. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Do some digging, figure out who that guy yeah. possibly could be, who the next – I mean, that's what everybody's doing now is oh, trying to find who the next Todd Munkin is. They had Greg Roman in Baltimore. Yeah, and they that and, thing went as far as you could get it. And then they, t- they decided to tweak it. It's, it's really interesting yeah. stuff. Let's Chuck's in around. Cleveland. Let's Chuck, who went down there? Hey, what's happening, y'all? All right, Chuck. Much, man. How are you? Hey, man. When anybody say "Don't overreact," right? That reminds me when I took this little mommy up to Delmonico's and she ordered a steak. Yeah. Now y'all probably saying, "What's wrong with that?" Yeah. Well, she no, told I'm, me I'm, she was a vegetarian. Okay. Oh. I thought I was saving some money. All right, look. 
Thought she was going to buy green beans, and instead she exactly. she went for the cowboy ribeye. My goodness, let me tell y'all. I really believe since we don't run the ball, why have a running back coach? We we only got two tight ends, so what's what's the coach with that? And Stepanski is the OC. He's calling the plays. Maybe this is a new thing. We're going to trim the roster and save the money. What, what, what do we need them for? Honestly, I mean, it might be the new of the new. Since we disrespecting positions on the field, you might as well start disrespecting the coaches because what's the need in them if you're not going to use them? And that's just how I feel about the whole thing. I believe it's just to save some money because what you got rid of was not garbage. You follow what I'm saying? No, so they, they they got rid of guys yeah, who so, I mean, at, at least I mean, you would I don't think know. the productivity was there, Chuck. You're right. I mean, exactly. So I really believe it's just to save money and um go another direction. The NFL is new. So if we don't replace them, y'all already know what it is. Right, and Chuck. use big coach. Thank you, Chuck. I get that a lot of us are currently working in positions where that's happening. Yeah, and it's they, driving all of us up the wall. They're not looking to ways. save money. In the, the Browns don't operate that way. No. Like the, the Browns aren't operating like your company where they're just flopping more things on your desk and not hiring anybody to cover it. Like, What are you saying, Dan? They not. They don't operate that way. They cut checks. I mean, we've we watched an entire two year thing where they continue to cut checks for what we've watched. I mean, they they're just handing out cash left and right and kicking the can down the road on a bunch of different things. Like the last thing anybody could call the Haslam's is cheap. Now there's you know if you want to go a lot of other different directions, that's on you. That's fine. But the last thing you can call the Haslam's is cheap. I would agree with that completely. Number to join us, uh, and you can. If you want to hang on, terrific, 216-474-0092. We will get to your phone calls. Josh Booty, former Browns quarterback, former Major League infielder, by the way. But Josh, former Browns quarterback, coming up next, I want to ask him, what does an offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays do? I want to hear what he has to say. I'll bet he's been in that situation. Coming up next on Baskin and Phelps. Welcome back to Basket of Phelps. I'm Jeff Phelps, my partner over there, Dan Menigan, and for Andy Baskin today. News in Berea, and apparently, and it's all just reports right now, but now we have a couple of reports confirming, well, excuse me, a couple of reports saying Alex Van Pelt will no longer be the offensive coordinator of the Browns. Also, Stump Mitchell, running backs coach, tight end coach, T.C. McCartney, no longer with the Browns, according to multiple reports in that situation. Nothing from the Browns yet. I'm sure we'll get some confirmation. If not today at some point, certainly tomorrow. And if I'm not mistaken, is it tomorrow that Andrew Barry is expected to speak with the media? I believe uh, I believe that it is. I don't know that for a fact. We haven't had that yet. That's going to happen. Uh, so if it's tomorrow, if it's Friday, we will be hearing from Andrew Barry, and uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, nothing official out of the Browns yet no. on, on who is speaking when, but we were waiting on that one. I'm not going to lie. Yep. That's part of the reason I thought this smelt this something was going on because that hadn't been announced. Yeah, well, that's one of those in the weeds. Media it'll be things. a big topic when it is. Let's get some insight into what happens here when you change coaches. We go to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He played quarterback for the Browns. He played infield in the major leagues. He's one of our favorite guys to have with us, former Browns QB Josh Booty. Hello, Josh. How you doing, buddy? How are you, Josh? Good to hear from you, man. 
Man, thank you guys for having me. I'm doing well down here in Florida. I'm sure it's a little warmer, but um, we've had some we've had some rain and some inclement weather lately, so my golf game has been suffering. <laughs> oh no! All right, Josh. Good talking to you. Oh, see ya. Goodbye. See. <laughs> Look, we all have to suffer some way. <laughs> Single digits here today, Josh, and all week long, but that's okay. Hell, it, the kids are out of school because the windshield had it negative. It will warm up. <laughs> yep, you guys are. You guys have to face the elements for sure, but yeah. man, the summers in Cleveland are nice, and of course, the fall is the best. So, I'm, um, you know, I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to do with the new staff changes there in Cleveland. And my guy Stump Mitchell is out, though. I'm kind of ticked about that. He's a great guy, and of course, Chubb with him being injured, how do you, how do you let a guy like that go? Um, just based on him, I guess the Browns having to deal with an injury all year. That kind of that kind of blows a little bit. Well, let's let's start with Stump then. What does a running backs coach do for his running backs? And clearly, until the offensive line hit its third and fourth string guys, Josh, this offense was running the ball very well. They were like tied for, well, third third in the NFL through the Denver game. And then you lost yet another offensive lineman in Dewan Jones. You know, I think from a psyche standpoint, a coach, a running back coach is, of course, every day, bringing it to practice sessions, being energized, giving those guys some life, um, even after losses or after injuries or coming back through, you know, the ups and downs of the NFL. I mean, I think that a, a running back coach is, he's like a quarterback coach, right? There's there's these little intricacies, everything matters, the details, the pass protection, the blitz and, you know, the protection in the blitz schemes and all that stuff that they have to coach every day but I think it's just the willingness to bring energy a a running back has to bring that positive energy into a game on Sundays whether he gets you know 100 yards or whether he he, you know he's got two or three negative runs in a row I mean it's just the it's just the energy that a coach brings and and I say psyche I think consistency uh, that consistent energy and that psyche that he can bring to a running back room can really help a room and stump was a very positive person uh i'd want a positive person uh, as my running back coach if i was in a running back room because you're going to have good and bad days and you're going to go through lots during the course of a year but a guy that that's fired up every day to be there and to get you you know excited about practice and and you know getting better is is really uh, the job so josh on the on the same idea what's it like being in a room where you have all of this collaboration and then you're a player in that room and you find out, gosh, four days after the season is done after making the playoffs and having some level of success that they've decided to kaboom the whole thing for lack of better terminology and get the OC out and get the tight ends coach and the running back coach. Like what's, what are you thinking as a player? Uh, it's, it's an odd move. Um, you know, I don't know what their, their contracts, I haven't really looked up, dove into that. But, uh, you know, they're trying to pro- find the right offensive crew to get the most out of Watson. I mean, that's what you've got to really be thinking, I think. And it just sucks because you have a successful year. You, you know, you win 11 games. You go to the playoffs. And even though they didn't show well uh, last weekend, I think just the, you know, we it was a very positive year. And like you said, to, to, to wake up and go, okay, three of our – you know, our tight end coach, our running back coach, and our offensive coordinator are not going to be there next year. That's 
that's that's really not the standard. If you if you if you win eleven games and go to playoffs in a tough tough division, you know you would think that those guys would all be back, and it would just be okay. Let's get Watson healthy. Uh, the defense maybe shore up in a couple of s- spots. I mean, w- the defense played great. They had some issues in the playoff game, but they played hard all year. And um, I think it was just a matter of them getting down, and then they got out, you know, of the game, and and it got away from them. But to have those that those that, that many offensive moves all at once is is a weird deal. Josh Booty joining us, former Browns quarterback. Josh, were you ever in a situation where your offensive coordinator did not call the plays? Um, let me think about that. Um, yeah, when I was, well, I was a backup in Seattle, um, my, my rookie year in training camp and Holmgren was the head coach and called the plays and, um, it wasn't really the coordinator calling the play. He was the quarterback coach and play caller. And, uh, much like, like McCarthy would have been in Dallas this year. That was, that was Holmgren. Um, when I was in Cleveland, it was always Bruce Arians calling plays uh, the three years that I was there. And so, and he was the offensive coordinator in college. Jimbo Fisher was the offensive coordinator I had for Nick Saban under Nick Saban, and he called the play. So, I, you know, it was always an offensive coordinator, except for the the, the Mike Holmgren uh, situation that I had. Um, so, how does that work? Well, the, the head coach has got a lot of responsibility, and and you know, like Shanahan or Sean Payton or Holmgren. Uh, I did have Lane Kiffin in an off season with the Raiders and he was a play caller and head coach there in, in Oakland. But um, I forgot about Lane. Um, you know, I think it's when, when a quarterback, when, when a, when a head coach has to call plays, buddy, he has to be an extremely amazing individual. And I, you know, he has to let the defensive or, you know, if he's a defensive coach, he's calling defensive plays like, like, uh, you know, a Belichick or a Saban S type thing situation where they're not offensive guys. I think you got to really take care of your one side of the ball and trust your staff to take complete care of the other side of the ball. And I think that's what these, they compartmentalize well. Right. And I think that's what you'd have to do to be a head coach, to worry about all the little things, the media, the staff, you know the the organizational part of the of the team and the games and the weeks and the settings and all that and then and then call plays. That's a that's a really tough duty. Those guys should get paid more for sure. <laughs> Josh Booty, former Browns quarterback, played a little infield in the MLB for a while. LSU quarterback under Nick Saban, and general good dude on top of it. Joining oh, us on nice. the North Upstate Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. All right, I'm I'm putting you on the spot here, Josh. If you are the Browns. Are you bringing in, like, are you going to college and trying to find somebody who's an OC there to bring in the spread offense and all those ideas to best fit Deshaun Watson? Or are you looking around the league and seeing if there's somebody there? Because I don't know if Kevin Fancy's going to give up play calling. And so I'm thinking yeah. in my head, like, boy, like the big boys everybody would be circling probably wouldn't want to take a gig like this. Yeah. yeah he's going to take a, a different type of person to sit back and, and to help kind of coordinate the offense, right? Stefanski's such a good, a good coach. Um, and what, a, and what a, a really good year that they had uh, in that division uh, with the injuries, with Flacco coming from off the street. I mean, what a year he put together. And you know, it's it's wild that they made these these moves. But I think you know, if I'm a, I, I'm, he's probably going to have to get a guy that's like a, a a position coach for an NFL team that wants to 
be an offensive coordinator uh, in terms of title, uh, maybe to help his resume. Um, someone that, of course, fits with him, with him uh, working with him every day is a big deal. I would probably get a position coach from the NFL. Um, you know, Watson Watson is a, is a longtime pro now. And to bring in a college coach, he better be real, real good, like a Todd Munkin, right, where he could come in and do some really amazing things, and he's a really polished guy, um, you know, to come in and be an offensive coordinator in the NFL to make that jump. So I would think that he would find someone in the NFL that could come and kind of play that role for Stefanski and just help him out. Josh Booty joining us. Josh, when Deshaun Watson was kind of the quarterback of record, the Browns were 4-1. and one. And there were mm-hmm. times when it looked really good. There were times when it looked, and Dan has used the word, and I think it's a good one, clunky. But what did you see when you, you saw some of the Brown stuff this year? And, and how do you iron that out and put this guy in a position to do what he does best? Well, you know, the record speaks for itself. He, he did look rusty at times, um, did look great at times, like you mentioned. I think, I think you know, for him to, you know, the first year, this will be his third year next year. He, he was suspended for whatever, the first 11 yep, games, 11. played seven. This year he played six games, four and one, five and one, if you count the, the, the indie game, I think, where he came out in the second series. I mean, he still hasn't played a full season, and it's year three now. So you're looking uh, – I'm kind of looking at glass half full, right? I'm thinking, you know what, he still hadn't played 17 games that's a full season now in the NFL. Maybe this is the year that he knocks off all the rust. But you know, he's had he's he's had success when he's been in there for the most part. So I think you combine that with good coaching, with a good staff, uh, really just ride him. Health is wealth, right? For the foreseeable future, it's Watson at quarterback if he's healthy. We need to keep him healthy, and that's the main thing. And keep him upright and keep him in the game. And they pay him a lot of money to be in there. So I, I you know, I'm hoping that. I think the sky is the limit for him. That division is super tough. I mean, the Steelers played well until last week uh, to get themselves in the playoff hunt. They got their coach coming back. The Ravens are really, really good. We're going to see them try to make a run here. Uh, that division's super tough. So, I mean, it's it's every it's week in, week out, very, very difficult and a, a rough and tough division. So, it's him staying healthy is the main thing. All right, Josh, your old ball coach decided to finally hang it up after uh, dominating college football for far too long, <laughs> to put it nicely. What's, give, me, give me your best memory. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Of Nick Saban. Oh, man, I've gotten so many. You know, I think the, the memories that were bad have now kind of turned into good memories. You know, him yelling at me or him fussing or getting so, so super upset. Now I kind of chuckle. Because, you know, after you get done playing for him, you're appreciative for how hard he coached you. Um, when I was making the decision to either go into the NFL draft a year early or stay at LSU, I was a little older because I did play baseball and I felt like, you know, another group of 18-year-old kids were coming in. I was 24 years old. And and uh, I said, hey, I want to make a good decision here, Coach. And he goes, well, let's fly up to meet your family up in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is about a, an hour flight from Baton Rouge. And, and we jumped on the, <laughs> the LSU jet and uh, went up to visit my, my family. And I get to spend the entire day with him outside of football and the setting at LSU and the staff rooms and, the, you know, coaches meetings and practice and just got to spend the day with him. And we had lunch and my mom about, you know made dinner and we just got to hang around. And that was probably my funnest day with him because he was – he was like a buddy or like a uh, a father figure or a big brother to me that day. And I remember just, you know, talking to him about things that weren't football for the first time ever. And it was when we were always in the building at LSU, it was, it was just strictly football and situational football. And, you know, what we were, what we wanted to do this week to get better or something like that. And I got to hang out with him and talk golf and stuff like that. And that was my, probably my, fondest memory was just getting to know him a little bit better outside of outside of the football office which was pretty cool that is cool josh thank you for the insight as always buddy we appreciate it <laughs> thanks guys anytime you guys hey, are awesome hit him you straight well, buddy hit him straight yeah hope you get out there <laughs> soon everybody drains out <laughs> thank you buddy thank you i need it need yeah. it there he goes josh booty <laughs> out to play Talk golf soon, man on the north homestead chrysler jeep dodge ram hotline Josh Booty just with us, former Browns quarterback, and uh, Josh, an incredible athletic career that took him to the major leagues and the National Football League. And he thought it was interesting what's going on. And I, I think the moves with what appear to be happening in Berea, and again, according to reports, and now multiple reports on, on all three guys, Alex Van Pelt out as offensive coordinator, Stump Mitchell out as running backs coach. T.C. McCartney out as tight ends coach. This is from a team that was 11-6. and six. Mm-hmm. They're Did, looking for something different. Uh, so the offense this year was interesting. It had its moments new, where they and ran I think it well. Wonderful it had that they're open-minded they enough to realize well. that that's it something. It had moments that they... where it looked great with Deshaun Watson, where it didn't See, look as great. They won with P.J. Walker. DTR had some moments where he looked okay and others where he looked overwhelmed as a rookie quarterback. And Flacco threw it like absolute crazy, made Amari Cooper have a 265-yard record-setting game, yet the ball they didn't run the ball well when Flacco was here. So it was all over the place offensively. I wonder, Dan, if this is just a case where and uh, where this is just a case where they think, all right, we've topped out. To take it to the next level, we need to do some things. That's all I can think of because if you just look at the numbers, overall it was a successful season. Offensively okay. as well. So this offense this year, 
went from Deshaun Watson, shotgun, quarterback run game, uh, one tight end, one running back, multiple receivers on the field, spread offense concepts, while trying to merge in some of the uh, Shanahan Kubiak style. Okay? So that was where it started. And it was kind of clunky, and then Deshaun Watson got hurt. DTR comes in. When DTR came in, they put a dome over the offense. Like, that's the only way that you could put it. They would not throw the ball more than 10 he, yards he down th- the he field. He was throwing short. He had a dome on top of that offense. Despite having a good arm. Mm-hmm. And they did not trust DTR to throw the ball down the field. So it, it was a mess with that one. Then they got P.J. Walker, and they brought him in, and then all of a sudden – they pushed it a little more down the field with P.J. Walker. Still not a ton. Like here, put it in perspective, DTR tossed five passes over 20 yards when he was a starter for this team and, and, and was in the game for this team. They only threw the ball more than 20 yards five times. He was 0 for 5. P.J. Walker was 4 for 14 on passes that were over 20 yards as well. Joe Flacco came in, and they started pushing the ball down the field again. So they had four different offenses that found their way into working this year that they had to operate with. And one of them with a serious dome on top of it that made it so that they could not throw the ball because they didn't trust their quarterback to do it. Well, you're assuming they didn't trust the quarterback and that's well, why the, else? Well, exactly. That's what you would that's what yeah. you would assume in that situation. I feel very comfortable assuming that. Bill's in Parma. <laughs> Hello, Bill. How are you, Bill? Well, great. Always uh, enjoy listening to you guys. Great. Um, I'm not going to jump uh, to the statement of this was a very good year and then allow the offense to be included in that discussion. The reason I say that is if you evaluate this correctly, and this is my opinion, you had a once in a decade defense. And granted, the last game wasn't all that great, but that happens. If this defense wouldn't have been a once in a decade, maybe three decade defense, we would have been lucky to be 500 with the offense we had. And and so and so in some ways, I, I always have difficulty when people say, "Well, you know, the, uh, Stefanski should be coach of the year." Well, I want to tell you something. If he didn't have Schwartz, it wouldn't be, he wouldn't be coach of the year. I guarantee you. And and so. This is the problem I have as we go further with this discussion. And that is uh, this weekend when I wasn't sleeping on the couch, uh, I heard Chris Collinsworth say on the the Tampa Bay's game with Baker out on the field that supposedly McVeigh, when Baker was playing for Los Angeles, McVeigh went up to Baker and said, hey, pal, we're just going to let Baker be Baker. And when I heard that, I, the thing I heard was, here's another coach in the NFL that looked at another coach in the NFL and felt that that coach, meaning Stefanski, was trying to put another a player like Baker into an area that probably didn't fit him. And now here's the problem I have going forward with Stefanski. And see, I believe – and I've seen this in pro sports before. They clear out everything. It's really the, the it's really the play caller. It's the head coach or the offensive guy. It's him, and they're they're clearing out everybody. It's, it's kind of a smoke screen. 
And and the only reason Stefanski's staying there, this is my opinion, is because him and Barry, Barry, he he doesn't he doesn't kick up a stink. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna cause trouble. And Barry doesn't want to get somebody in here who's got an ego that wants to you know that could really really be a good head coach. Stefanski is kind of his yes man. And so now we have what we're stuck with is this. And I think with with Watson coming back, if I was a head coach. I would open that offense so wide open. I mean, you talk about, you know, the, the shotgun. It would be the double shotgun. You know, I'm telling you, it would, it, we would be flying because that's what this guy wants. That's what, and, this, and Stefanski thinks everybody is cousins. Of, Bill, you know, the, of, the only thing I'd say, Bill, and thank you, uh, the only thing I'd say about that is this. This offense – had to adjust from week one, and they kept adjusting all year long. And you know, say what you want about Stefanski. If it weren't for Jim Schwartz, okay, name me a a great head coach who didn't have great assistant coaches helping him. It, it's all part of the deal. There's a reason why all these guys get hired away. Right. This thing they adjusted all season long on offense. They had to do a lot of different things. You lost Nick Chubb, and so. Somehow this team won eleven games. It wasn't just because of the defense. It wasn't no. just so. I mean, the defense had a big. The defense had a big, big, big chunk. Sure, it did. of why you were able of to. Of course, it did. But but, all, but I mean, so did adjusting on offense to four different starting quarterbacks and running the ball well for most of the season, and then passing the ball well when you didn't. The defense can only score so many points. You know, you can only cause so many turnovers and try to turn them into pick sixes. Like, you can only do so much of that. You need an offense to do something. And while, granted, again, it was clunky at times. They made it work. It was it was chewing gum. It was duct tape. It was toothpicks. It was twine. It was what twist ties. It was whatever you wanted to use to get the car back home. The coat hanger on the mu- on the muffler, if you so desire. They made it work. <laughs> they made it work. They put they put enough points on the board. But and whether but it was, by no means was it perfect. No, and whether it was seventeen points against the 49ers or whatever that final score ended up being, and the pouring wind, rain, and snow, where it just looked like a train wreck, they put up just enough points to get you where you needed to go. Don's in Canton. Hello, Don. How are you, Don? Hello, how's everybody doing? We're freezing. We're hanging in. Oh yeah, man, it's cold. Hey, you know, uh, I uh, the whole, the whole thing with the uh, the coaches and Van Pelt is an indication to me that. Uh... Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for Week Number One. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Uh, It's the typical Browns postseason. You mentioned putting the thing, uh, putting the things together with bailing wire, and it worked well. As we saw, uh, when you get to the playoffs, that doesn't always work. And I don't know if it was Stefanski 
uh, not playing the first team in Cincinnati. I suspect that he made a mistake there. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is always smart by half. And this is an indication of a mistake he made, I think. Oh, we'll never know, though. But I think uh, if uh, if uh, Flacco and those guys had had the work in Cincinnati and whether they came out with a win or not, it would have been nice to have 12 wins. But, hey, I think he would have performed better. I think uh, that's all, that's all well, up for speculation. Tom. Yeah, and we're going to well, look at that course. whole bunch. Of course it is, but uh, something broke down there. Whether it was Van Pelt or whatever happened, they're not going to fire Stefanski at this point and admit, you know, that you know the Titanic is sinking. But uh, we have to look at we have to look at you have to go back to Deshaun Watson. I don't think there's a lot of confidence, and they as they've invested 230 million. What else are they going to do? I don't think they have confidence that he's going to recover, that his arm will. We'll see. All right, Don. Thank you. It, yeah. I mean, all those are valid points. Look, we're, we are going into a level of unknown that we all really wish was far more known. And it's not just because they're moving on from coordinators, and it's not just because they're moving on from coaches inside of the offensive room. We're going into an unknown of, okay, bud, this is, uh, this is year three, and this offense has had halves that have looked very good, and you beat up on a really, really bad Arizona Cardinal team that was starting a fifth-round rookie in Clayton Toon, sixth-round rookie in Clayton Toon at that time, a a guy who probably should not have been playing. And poor Clayton Toon really looked like he was about to wet himself if Miles Garrett was going to come at him again. Oh, that's nice to say. Well, go back and watch that poor kid. You you started feeling bad after he kept getting pummeled into the dirt. So we're kind of going into the unknown here, and we're kind of dealing with hope. And clearly they did not like what they saw in the games that Deshaun Watson was here, and clearly Kevin Stefanski wants to make a change, whether it's because they need new blood and new philosophies and things were getting siloed or anything else that could possibly be going on inside of that building. Q's in Cleveland. Q, welcome to the show. What's up, Q? How are you, buddy? Yeah, how you guys doing, man? Okay. We're doing well. Okay, listen. Hey, get, know, get us I'm, off speaker, Q. You sound like you're in an aquarium. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all right. We just want to hear you. Okay. Okay. And I'm off. There you go. That's better. I was going to say, Jeff and I can pontificate until you figure oh, it out. Okay, this is what I got to say, guys. You know, um, I, I think I'm going to echo the, the, the caller before the last caller. Um, I don't think that Kevin Stefanski ever tailored the offense for Deshaun Watson. That's why Deshaun Watson, to me, that's why he looked he looked kind of terrible. And if you look at every other team in our division, guys, they have an offensive coordinator, not somebody who's standing in a position and not calling plays. Because we all know that Kevin Stefanski's calling those plays. Um, as far as the, the humming, the humming comment, man, Sam, he had the offense humming. You got to look at it like this. Joe Flacco came in and did a lot of things that Stefanski wanted to do. We got away from the number one thing that made us who we are, and that's the run. You know, you, you got to stay committed to something, man, and, and stick with it. The Pittsburgh Steelers have no problem doing it, and I hate commenting for the Steelers, but they have no problem uh, – you know, sticking to what makes them tick 
you know, if they can't do one thing, they're gonna they're gonna Steelers work the other were thing successful down. with running the ball. That's you, the difference. Thank you. The the Browns were not successful. Well, they were for a long time. Yes. I, I keep pointing that out. And they, they were they were top ten all season. Until they were on their fourth and fifth string tackles. Yeah, they got to tackle five and so tackle six. Let's remember that. They were running the ball well. Yes. And then the injuries kicked in. Chris Rose at 1 o'clock. More of your phone calls. 216-474-0092. Change coming to the offense in Berea. Alex Van Pelt, according to two reports, no longer the offensive coordinator of the Browns. And Jake Trotter of ESPN saying, Alex Van Pelt told me that he's no longer the offensive coordinator of the Browns. So that sounds pretty legit. And Stump Mitchell, running back coach, who was hired by Freddie Kitchens, kept by Kevin Stefanski, no longer with the team, according to reports. And uh, T.C. McCartney, no longer with the team, whose grandfather was legendary Colorado coach Bill McCartney. So tight end coach out. Changes. <laughs> that, that means you still have front-line coaches, your offensive line coach Bill Callahan, your wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea. Still in place. Mm-hmm. Everybody else of the frontliners, you know, not like the assistant offensive line coach everybody else, but so sixty percent of your staff right there. Interesting. So, what do we make of the fact? And and you brought this up earlier. I can't remember if you said it on the air or off the air, but you brought it up earlier, and our own Daryl Ryder has it out too. In the span of three hundred and sixty-five days. You fired all the coordinators. They've moved on from every coordinator. Yeah. Special teams, defensive, yeah. offensive. What do you make of that? Uh, I, I make one of two things. It either means Kevin Stefanski has such great standing in the organization that he can say, hey, I'd like to make this move, and he's going to be – there's not an issue there. That, okay – you want to tweak it right now? That's okay. There's, that's fine. No problem because you're our guy. Or you've changed everything, and the next guy to get changed would be Kevin. I I hate to go with such big drastic picture there, but I mean there are only two choices. Yeah. So if it doesn't work next year, and and, and even if Kevin were to get an extension, this is the NFL. We know how it is. Oh gosh, yes. If if in year number five of the Kevin Stefanski regime, they don't win 11 games, they go, you know, let's let's say the Browns roll out a record of 6-11 and 11 next year. Well, they're making a coaching change whether the guy got a contract extension or not. Right. And I would give Kevin a contract extension. But you've now removed all three of your coordinators. Were they all his call? I don't know. I don't know. But you've done that. If they weren't his call, then – that's something else. And they yeah, think they then th- we got a different problem. Well, on our yeah. Hands. Then they think they have the right head coach, but they want to give him the right guys to work with. Who knows? Um, I, I don't mean to downplay the work of, of position coaches. You can find another running back coach. Okay. Was Stump Mitchell, the greatest running back coach of all time. I don't know. I don't know. People um, seem to like him. Yeah. Was TC McCartney, a great tight end coach at the age of 34. I don't know. I don't know. David don't know. and Joku played but well. David and Joku played really That's well. All I could tell That's all we know. <laughs> Right? That's all we know. Yeah. And they'll find other guys. When it comes to coordinators, that's a different story because we can all see it, what impact a guy makes unless, of course, somebody else is calling the plays. I can't tell you, you know, was Alex Van Pelt designing all the plays? Was Alex calling plays, making major suggestions? I, I don't know the answer to that. But I would think that because you've, 
you've removed every coordinator within basically a year, calendar year. The next finger that gets pointed gets pointed right at the head coach. And you're not going to replace yet another defensive coordinator unless Jim Schwartz decides to move on and, yeah, and not look at Kevin and think, yeah, okay, maybe, it's, not maybe like, it's time to make that move too. It's not like you lost these guys in a McVay way where everybody's getting hired away from you because they no. had lunch. No, that's right. Like, you're, you're changing. Yeah, you're the one who's initiating the change. Or someone in the organization is initiating the right. change. Dave's in Broadview Heights. Hello, Dave. All right, Dave. Hi, guys. How you doing? Doing Good. well. All right, so this just this just doesn't make sense. I mean, you could make the case, or I guess tell me that I'm wrong. I mean, the tight ends, it seemed like this year we got the most out of them that we've gotten out of them in the Kevin Stefanski era. Although Harrison Bryant barely caught a pass. I I do agree with that, but they did find another role for him, too, that was an interesting role. I thought that was true. That's a good point, man. That was really cool. I thought that was great. The offensive line, you got to get, I mean, great development of uh, the big guy from uh, Ohio State. Plus, you know, all the injuries, you, you can't really go there. Running back, you lost Nick Chubb. I mean, I thought Jerome Ford looked like a pretty good player, and Kareem Hunt, they, they found a role for him. It just doesn't make sense. And and you guys generally have a little bit of a feel if there's going to be changes. There were no changes that no one, no one knew any of these changes were coming. And then, boom, you have that. If I were going to make one argument, I would say maybe the wide receivers didn't play as well this year other than Amari seemed to play much better <laughs> one. Dave. See, that's, that's, Dave, you're right. I kind of had that thought too, yeah. Dave. Dave, you're right. And and I, it it just and you're going to blame Alex Van Pelt as Jeff said we we don't really know what he's doing no but I, is there a chance that this is Jimmy Haslam and is there a chance that Alex Van Pelt was kind of like hey this offense is more suited for a Joe Flacco type or even and I'm not a Baker guy even Baker um, than it is Deshaun Watson so I I agree changes should have been made but they probably should have been made a year ago. This offense doesn't fit, and it's it's Stefanski's offense, and it's not the best for Watson. We heard it going in that it was going to be a problem for Watson. He wanted to be in the shotgun, and Nick Chubb didn't want to be in the shotgun. And Dave, thus, just, the, thus the juggling. It's kind of like yeah. it's, it's another one of these. The Browns is the Browns. I think, unfortunately, I hope not. But it it doesn't. It's it's not a good move. And they, what do they say? They got some explaining to do. They got some explaining to do. And that's so. probably going to happen later this week, Dave. That's. I thought the same thing mm-hmm. about wide receivers. Forgive me. We've gone over time and time again. We've no. talked wide receivers. Yeah, I know. No, I don't think we but, have. But we've also seen other teams draft wide receivers in the second, the third, the fourth rounds. And those guys contribute at a you know early part of their career. Browns have used three straight, three straight third-round draft choices on wide receivers. And what contribution of significance have you had for many of them? Anthony Schwartz isn't here anymore. David Bell, we're keeping, we're just waiting for. And I think Cedric Is Tillman. Two good games. Yeah, well, okay, great. And, <laughs> I mean, and Cedric just, Tillman looks really interesting to me. I, I think Cedric looks really interesting. I, I like the idea, but we haven't really seen it yet. And yet there's been no change at the wide receiver coach. So. Truly, truly, if you looked at the offense, what position coach? And yeah. again, I, I'm not in any meeting rooms. I don't know. I don't know how to coach a wide receiver. I'll readily admit, I don't know. I don't know how to coach an offensive lineman. Bill Callahan, they tell me you're great. Congratulations. I'm glad. That's really good. But 
if there was one position group you'd look at and think, boy, we got to do something here. It's it's wide receiver more than anything. You think Mar- Marcus is in Aurora? Hello, Marcus. Hey, Sorry, Marcus. Guys. Hey, how are you? Um, you know, for for all the callers that are complaining about the no running game, uh, you know that coincided with Flacco being in the lineup because the defenses don't have to account for him running the ball. And I I think the uh, you guys are obvious the wide receiving core needs upgrade or guys got to play better. But uh, I believe they're looking for a guy like the OC at Houston or Shane Steichen. You know, I think they're going to run that kind of offense. It's best suited for Watson. Uh, I, I, even though I'd be nervous, I don't want him running the ball all that much. But those those concepts and, and the structure of the offense, um, that's what they're looking for. They want something that's a little, I hate to use the word modern, but uh, it's it, uh, these offenses that these guys are using now are different from the ones that Van Pelt and and uh, you know, like someone said, oh, what about Bill O'Brien? You don't you don't want Bill O'Brien. You got to no. have all pros for those offenses to work. So to me, the 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 RPO based passing confidence, all that, it's just it's just easier to execute because you have to make decisions at the line of scrimmage all the time now. And it, I think that's really what they're looking for as far as the Stump Mitchell and the tight ends coach. You know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you about that. But so I still think they want that Slowick kind of offense. You well, know? so it's it's funny you say that, Marcus, just because okay, Bobby Slowick worked under Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan worked under Gary Kubiak. Kevin Stefanski worked under Gary Kubiak. So that might be it. Is okay. Let's find somebody who understands how we can put the a mobile quarterback inside of a Shanahan style offense and have it work. We will see. Chris Rose will have some thoughts on this. Chris from the NFL Network. Chris doing Browns games, radio, and preseason TV this year. He's next on Baskin and Phelps. Things started breaking with the coaching staff in Berea. So the guy who's going to join us right now is going to get some coaching staff in Berea comments. Chris Rose joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chris from the NFL Network. You heard him on Browns games in the preseason and during uh, the season. On the radio, filling in for Jim Donovan. Chris, good morning, good afternoon, good morning to you, good afternoon to us. How are you, dude? You got it. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're a little we're cold. A little surprised today, yeah. Along with being cold, according to all the reports, you've heard them: uh, Stump Mitchell, uh, T.C. McCartney, and uh, the big one, Alex Van Pelt, out on the Browns' offensive coaching staff. Your initial reaction was what? Yeah, I was surprised. Um... You know, here's the thing. I would say everybody that's up in arms with this sort of stuff, uh, first of all, most people don't know what position coaches do and what their roles are. Um, And I would say as far as Van Pelt goes, you know, it's an interesting position because Fancy obviously calls the plays. And I think it's actually a pretty good play caller for the most part. Um, You know, Alex has been a little bit, more old school and it is possible that Kevin wants to freshen things up on that side of the football um if you look around the league right now and try and see who's who's getting the calls to interview it's a lot of offensive coordinators that are in their 30s right Ben Johnson from Detroit Bobby Slowick who just kind of ate our lunch in Houston uh Brian Callahan in Cincinnati still in his 30s so you know, you have to 
adapt and adjust. And if Kevin felt like his offense needed a, a freshening up, then, you know, who are we to stop him? It's funny you say that, Chris, because I just said that to Jeff in the break. The longer that this goes, it's starting to seem to me that it's, you know, the classic Simpsons episode of Homer trying to build the grill and holding it up in front of him. And, you know, the picture looks absolutely beautiful, a.k.a. what the Texans were able to do with C.J. Stroud with bringing in the Shanahan elements and bringing in all the spread concepts on top of that to help C.J. Stroud and holding up the box and going, what a beautiful grill. Why the hell doesn't mine look like that? Like, that's, I feel like what we're in right now, and Kevin Stefanski is looking around going, okay, how do I make what we do with Deshaun Watson look less clunky? Maybe it's bringing concepts from the outside. And I, I think you're onto something there, man. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, the number one goal is to make sure that Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback that he can be. I mean, that's, you know, and some of that has to come from adjustments from him, I would imagine, as well. Um, but also, yeah, to make him the best quarterback. Because for the next three years, at the very least, he's going to count $64 million against the cap. And so we don't know right now what that means in terms of, you know, changing players, right? We don't know what sort of adjustments Andrew Barry is going to have to make. Are there certain guys he won't be able to retain that he wants to? Are there going to be certain guys that he won't be able to go out and get free agency because of that sort of stuff? Um, we just don't know at this point. But we do know who our quarterback is going to be moving forward for the foreseeable future. And so we need the organization needs to be able to get the best that they can out of him. And if this is the first move to do that, why in the world would you as a fan be against that? Chris, what would the sales pitch be from Kevin Stefanski to a young offensive coordinator? Hey, come on in, coordinate the offense. I'm calling plays. Or is this something where you think Kevin would be open to a – because Dan and I agree with you. We think Kevin's a pretty good play caller, where he'd be open to giving up the play calling duties. Well, let's start with this. Ben Johnson wasn't Ben Johnson until the Lions offense started to take off. It wasn't – you know, when you say a young offensive coordinator, you're giving somebody who was a quarterback's coach or somebody else a shot to be the O.C., so that's what the sale is. It's, I don't think it would be that hard. It would be, hey, we just won 11 games with 26% of our payroll on injured reserves. You tell me what you think you could do with an offense that has this at your disposal. I mean, I think it's, I think it's very sellable, to be honest okay. with you. Okay. I mean, what You don't think the play calling more, would be a hang-up for somebody who is maybe a, a really highly thought of prospective offensive coordinator? Well, but you're not hiring a guy who's already an offensive coordinator for the most part. Probably. Unless yeah. that guy's unless that guy's already lost his job. So yeah, and there are some of those out there. Yeah. But my point is is that these young guys who get a crack at it, um, you know, they weren't listen, my guess is that Kev, that everything is on the table, including Kevin's play calling. But but we'll see. I mean, is that going to limit him and his ability to get a young, bright offensive mind who says, I want to go elsewhere where I can call plays? Possible. It's possible. But I do think that there's a, a relatively easy sell to somebody who wants to work in that direction and be part of, you know, the job of putting together an offense. 
Would you go into a college for one of those guys, or would you go find somebody who Watson previously worked with? Because a lot of people are connecting some dots. Yeah, I don't know if I would. I don't think it's a hundred percent where you have to get somebody who's worked with Deshaun Watson. I mean, I always think a good fresh set of eyes and ears is just as important. Um, so, I mean, listen, the, the game has even changed in the last few years since Deshaun Watson was at the peak of his game. Um, you know, he's had 12 starts in a Browns uniform, and he has been what I would classify as excellent in two of the games. That was against Tennessee, and that was against Baltimore before he broke his shoulder. And other than that, he's just kind of been a quarterback. So, you know, I mean, I think everything has to be out there. Yes, you have to look into college. Yes, you have to talk to people that have worked with him. But I wouldn't say, oh, we definitely have to get a guy who worked with him in 2019 because that's what we need. I don't think that's the right way to do business. Chris Rose joining us from the NFL Network. We haven't talked to you since the season came to an end. What did you think on Saturday as the Browns fell behind, the defense was getting shredded, yet they're still only down by 10 points at halftime? Yeah, I thought the touchdown to Dalton Schultz right before the half was really, really tough to stomach. Um, and then we were still in it, right, until until Flacco was trying to throw the ball away and just should have eaten it. You know, it was first down. I mean, second and 18 you can live with when you're still on their side of the field and you could still end up maybe getting a field goal or, heck, even a first down. I mean, you still have a couple plays to do that. So that was, that was tough. Um, I was surprised that the defense got eaten alive the way it did. I wasn't surprised that they put points on the board. I mean, listen, the Browns' defense has been two different animals, one at home and one on the road. And out of the laundry list of things that, that this team is going to have to figure out in the offseason, one of them is why there was such a discrepancy from home defense to road defense. I mean, I cannot figure it out for the life of me. I know our fan base is good, Weird. but it's not that drastic. Um, it was you know, weird. That, that, it really was. It was weird. And it was, it, it was tough. It was sad. It was an abrupt, as they all are. I mean, it's a single-game season. So the question is, how do you break down what happened Saturday as opposed to the rest of the season, and how do you look at it? Um, I would hope that most fans still see it as a win. I know that there's a certain part of the fan base who says, well, screw that. If we're not kissing Lombardi at the end of the year, I don't give a damn what happened the, the 17 games during the year. And that's your choice. I mean, you can look at it that way. I have a hard time looking at it because there's no way in the world this team should have made the playoffs based on the number of injuries, who the injuries were to, and the fact that we were the worst team in the league when it came to turnovers. Like, when you combine all of that, there's never been a team in NFL history that when you combine that makes the playoffs and wins 11 games. So sports about making memories. They gave us, I thought, plenty of great memories, even though it ended in a crappy way. Chris Rose, NFL Network. Of course, he's uh, on the Rose rotation as well, doing a bunch of stuff with John Boy Media, including an NFL show now, too. And I'm sure BattleBots right around the corner. Joining us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. What do you do with Joe Flacco, Chris? Well, I don't think I don't think he would come back. I, my guess is is that some team 
would look at him and say, hey, you know, now what's the offer going to be? Joe, we got a young guy we like, we don't love, we want you to compete with him. Like, I, I don't know what it is he wants to hear as a father of five at this point of his life, right? He just turned 39 yesterday. So none of us know exactly what he wants to hear. Does he want to hear, hey, you'll be here in Cleveland. You'll definitely be Deshaun's backup, but you'll get your chance if he sucks or gets hurt. Like, I don't know if that's what he wants to hear. I can't imagine it is, right? You play it out. Does that sound like something he'd want to hear? No, sir. No. So I think Joe Flacco was a one-off for us. He was the perfect piece at the perfect time and gave us an amazing, amazing five-week run. Like, it was something we needed. And I'd say thank you. You won over a whole new fan base. You forever will have a place in the hearts of Cleveland sports fans. And, and good luck at the next gig because just say it out loud. It doesn't sound like something he would like. I would agree with you completely on that, Chris. I think that's exactly yeah. right. I, I think it, he'll be somewhere else next year, and, and he's earned us. We'll always talk about him. So there you go. He did a great job, yeah. but I, I don't see him coming back either. Yeah, I just don't. I don't see it from his standpoint. I mean, we have to. All I would tell fans, I'm not. Would never tell fans how to think. Or I would never tell them what to think. I would tell them how to think. And how to think is seeing perspectives from outside of your own. Browns fans see it as, of course, yes, I want Joe Flacco back as my backup quarterback. The reality is, is that he's almost 40 years old. He probably rekindled a fire which hadn't been burning since he was the everyday quarterback for the Ravens at the beginning of the 2018 season. And heck, probably even before that, because they had just drafted his replacement that year. So I think for him, this was an awesome ride. It was authentic. It was fun. It was real. But now he's got to be honest with himself, and and he should have a very short list of, of the situation that is perfect for him. All right, Chris. Rest of the rest of the playoffs, what did you think of the doubleheader on uh... – on Martin Luther King Day on Monday. Do you think that's something the NFL would look into moving into the future, or is that just a one-off like the COVID season? No, I think that I think they want a triple header on Sundays. Um, I, I haven't seen the numbers from Monday afternoon, but I can just tell you watching the game, it didn't feel as big as the other games. I don't know how you guys felt watching it. I, Maybe I'd because agree. I just yeah. felt like it. It wasn't going to be much of a contest anyway. Um, so that's that's the way I felt. I wanted a triple header. I love it when there's that middle day triple header on Sunday. It felt like the opening act of the second game. It felt like I was watching something I shouldn't be watching. That's kind of true. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. And and but the rest of it, I love the I love the way they do it now. The two three one. I, I think that's great for opening weekend. I agree with you. Thank you for your time, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. You got it, guys. Talk soon. Thank you. Chris Rose, NFL Network, joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Changes. It's. I think Chris is right on the money. It A freshening up. A, we think we've taken this as far as we can take this mm-hmm. with the 
key people who are in place, that means Deshaun Watson. That means Amari Cooper. That means the offensive line that's in place right now. It means David Njoku. We've heard this for four years now with Alex Van Pelt and with Kevin Stefanski calling plays. We'll see where it goes if, in fact, all of this stuff comes to fruition. I, I just I keep thinking three main thoughts. Does Kevin have to give up play calling for this to happen? Do they need to bring in somebody with ties to Deshaun Watson? Or is that detrimental and you bring in somebody with some I would I wouldn't even say wide open offensive philosophies, just offensive philosophies that work. You know, look at what and and it's become the buzzword when it comes to offense in the NFL, Shanahan. Anything in the Shanahan offense, though it's wide open, it's based on the running game and the ability to run the football and do some other really creative things offensively. I wouldn't say they're throwing the ball all over the park, Dan, because look what they they have Christian McCaffrey, you give him the ball. Mike Shanahan ran the ball. Kyle Shanahan runs the ball. Gary Kubiak runs the ball. Yeah. And Gary Kubiak and Sean McVay runs the ball. Right. The longer this, it's actually really nice to talk this out with you today. Good. Over four hours. Thank you for letting me do that. Yeah. It's just you and me. Nobody's listening. No, nobody's listening. But in talking to people, talking to Chris, talking to Josh Booty, talking to Tom Withers, all that stuff. I've come to this conclusion with all of this. I think what you've laid out is exactly right. I think they watched C.J. Stroud, and they watched the Houston Texans, and they – Homer Simpson and the grill. What a beautiful grill. Why the hell does a mind look like that? And I think that's exactly what took place as Kevin Stefanski looked across and watched this offense with a mobile quarterback and the motion that was in there and the way that they were able to operate with that, and he said, why doesn't mine look like that? That's what I want. That's what I want to run. How do I build that? And he looked around, and he saw the guys that were there were siloed and that they had tapped out everything that was there, and it was time to bring in fresh blood, and it was time to bring in fresh ideas, and it was time to look at these guys and go, how do I build what they have? Because that's what I wanted to build from Jump Street. Can I throw one critical word at you when it comes to all of this yeah and and it's not about coaching speed yeah I would think that they might have to freshen up some of the positions wide receiver running back and and add some burst there yes yes Houston looked fast yeah he sure did you could say the 49ers looked fast until CMC went down with injury in that game I mean that's Speed is becoming the big thing. Speed's the big thing in college. I mean, look at all the different teams you watched in college. Look at, gosh, look at that Washington team. Can I throw one one thing at you about our guys? Yeah, yeah. Of the three running backs left standing, Pierre Strong, Kareem Hunt, Jerome Ford, who looked like the kind of guy who could bring some real speed to the offense? Well, hell, who woke up the Steelers? Jalen Warren. All of a sudden, you saw Jalen Warren getting... Um, touches and you were like, holy smokes, look at this. I think that's what Pierre Strong can do for this team. Yeah. Now, I wonder if that's the case as well. I, I, I don't know. And, and now Kareem's, Kareem's yard per carry average was only 3.0. One thing I think we all need to remember there, he got a lot of short yardage carries. Mm-hmm. So I, it, I don't know percentages and everything else. When you're on the two-yard line, 
and you get a touchdown, well, you're only going to get two yards. But you did the job. And Kareem was asked to do a lot of the short yardage work. That killed his, probably killed his run average. I'd love to see, you know, how many of those situations he was in. He came in, and I'm going to throw a name out there that if you play fantasy football, you know it very, very well, either because you benefited from him or you hated him. He was Mike Tolbert in this offense. Mike Tolbert. Former Carolina Panther running back. Former Carolina Panther running back. And everybody knows Mike Tolbert because yep. either you had the other Carolina Panther running back and we're going, oh, my God, how can this guy not get any touches? They keep giving it to the guy who can only run three yards. It's really or, an, really annoying when you Or do that. you had Mike Tolbert and you were like, oh, I got two touchdowns and eight yards in this game. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Dan, that's exactly right. <laughs> it really was. And that's exactly how they right. used Kareem Hunt. It is how they use Kareem, which which leads to the question, does Kareem have the burst left? You know, because we didn't get a chance to see it that often. Cool Ray's in Bedford. Hi, Cool Ray. What's happening, Cool Ray? Hey, hey, what's up, fellas? I'm, I'm, I'm just complex with my team. I, I don't understand. Like, you know, I call all the time. I say, get rid of the coach. You guys go, no, we don't want to go up. You had him over for dinner last week. <laughs> you you guys for say, him. we don't want to. We don't. We don't want to blow up. We don't want to start all over. Okay, so you get rid of what if almost all your offensive coaches that he picked out himself, and he's not to blame. Like, and I don't understand how you have an offense that's predicated on play action pass, and you refuse to run the ball. The average running game is only going to get you maybe three yards per running play. Because you couldn't, you could not no, run the ball. No, you, you could run the ball. Ask, you lost all your tackles. Yeah, you so could let, not let run the ball. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you. Let, you, let me ask you guys a great question. Far away. Okay, good. Kareem, Kareem Hunt went down week two. You, you are the offensive coordinator slash coach slash whatever situation. You are supposed to. Yeah, Nick Chubb went. I'm sorry. You are. You trying to tell me you didn't have enough time to scheme? People open, yes, you got people on the team, next man up, injuries happen, just like you guys. You guys are great radio hosts. Thank you, man. It's been days It's been days where the sports world really wasn't doing anything exciting, but you guys made it exciting because you are professionals of what you guys do. Yeah, so when do push, we start? But I appreciate the compliment on that. When do, when, do we, when do we stop in my city, in my town, my Browns, making excuses? We have not had a legitimate head coach come in here. It's always been an offensive coordinator. No head coach wants to come in here and run run with this organization because of leadership. And it's not that. If you get rid of everybody he picked up this year pretty much on the offensive line and you got rid of a good running back coach, but you didn't get rid of the head coach who's in charge of everything, what is that saying? It's saying the head coach made the calls, cool, right? Among among other things, so Corey, thank you. And the organization believes in what he's doing. Look, yeah, they they the ran guy, the guy won eleven games and he started five different quarterbacks. Jeff, sorry guys, those are just facts. You had the numbers. They ran the ball well until Dewan Johnson or Dewan Jones went down you. with the injury. Through twelve, <laughs> too many names through twelve games, they were seventh in the NFL in rushing. Mm-hmm. And earlier on, through the Denver game, they were. Excuse me. Through the Denver game, they were tied for third in the NFL. Yeah, hundred and thirty nine point five. And they ran. And then the ball Flacco well. came in. And Flacco came in. They changed the way the offense went a little bit. Right. That said, 
I think we're all under the perception that they should run more or whatever else. The Browns were, give me, give me a ballpark guess. Just up, if you're listening, driving around in the car, what did the Browns rank in number of carries on the season? What do you think? How many carries did the Browns have? Where were they? Did they run the ball middle of the pack? Browns had the fourth most rushing attempts in the NFL this year. Get out of Dodge. Without Nick Chubb. Yeah. So they still ran the ball, folks. And they did it reasonably well most of the season. It wasn't until the end when it really bottomed out. And they still had a couple of 100-yard games late against Cincinnati, which people weren't counting, and then the Jets game. Yeah. They ran for, I think it was 127. So they still ran the ball well. We all need to remember that. We really do. But what, what I think this team could use at running back, and maybe I, I, may, I like Pierre Strong. So does Tyvis Powell when he's working with us. He's got burst. He's got some speed. Did you see Keaton Mitchell when he was with the Baltimore Ravens? Oh, gosh. Um, it was a different gear. The the kid from the Dolphins. Um, Hot chain. That's it. Different that gear. Woo-hoo. I mean, it's it's a different. Raheem Mostert was a track star at Purdue. It Look is. at what Raheem has done after kicking around to like five different teams, including the Browns. And he looks slow compared to, to Ashane. I mean, holy mackerel, that kid had some burst. Or is it A-Chain? Might be A-Chain. Anyway, it, you, you know I, every who we're time, talking Every about. time I hear his name, I think, remember how to pronounce that name, and then I always forget. You know who we're talking about. Exactly. Uh, Mitchell is in Mayfield. Hello, Mitchell. How are you, Mitchell? Hey, Jeff. How are you guys doing? Great. Thank you for the call. Hey, uh, I just had a question real quick. Uh, a lot of people are calling for Kevin Stefanski to get coach of the year. Um, if he's calling the offensive plays, on the flip side, if a defensive coordinator – led the league in least amount of turnovers forced, would they win defensive coach of the year? One more time. Yeah. Well, I'm I, like I'm saying, if you're a defensive coordinator and you have the least, you force the least amount of turnovers, would you be up for coach of the year as a defensive <laughs> coach? I mean, as a defensive-minded coach, like if your team found some level of success, the, the problem is with that award, Mitchell, and the writers will complain about it constantly – the league has really given them no direction when it comes to coach of the year. It's the reason why you have everybody voting from guys from Kyle Shanahan because their team is absolutely a juggernaut, and that's the way that it should be, to Kevin Stefanski because all of his quarterbacks got hurt, to you can even toss in overachievers you know, in there as well. Like It's almost like coach of the year has turned into the we're wrong award where it was like, oh, we were wrong about this team, and so this is how we reward you for making us look stupid. It's And you're right, Mitchell. Turnover ratio, the Browns weren't really good in. I remember no. Jim Schwartz getting a question about turnover ratio during the season, and he said, well, you guys must be really bored. Yeah. Because the main idea, main idea to me as a defensive coordinator is to keep the other team from scoring points. Now, if you can get the ball back for your offense, that's all the better. But – if your offense is turning the ball over, that also affects your turnover ratio. Right. I, I get it. You want to create turnovers and big plays. Yeah. Most importantly, you want to limit the number of points the other team. And scores. I know, and I know the whole idea behind that is, you know, okay, this guy stinks, and and that's the whole. I think that's where he was heading when it came to to Stefanski. Is well, this guy stinks. Why is he getting coach of the year and all that kind of stuff? It's kind of like the again, coach of the year is one of those awards that we can all look at and we will all have a different opinion on it because there's no clear definition on it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 